morning. Morning. Let us remember the words of Psalm 118, 22 to 24. The, the same stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our sight. On this day the Lord has acted. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. <clears throat> from the reading in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 14, from the New King James Version, says, I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. To satiate is to fill to the brim, or to be satisfied to the full. A God who satiates. Today is the day that we devote or highlight the plight of the preborn here, especially in our nation but in the world. <clears throat> Just as a quick review of history, Roe v. Wade was a landmark legal decision issued on January the 22nd, 1973. The U.S. Supreme Court struck down a Texas statute banning abortion, effectively legalizing the procedure across the United States. The court held that a woman's right to an abortion was implicit in the right to privacy protected by the 14th Amendment to the Constitution. Prior to Roe v. Wade, abortion had been illegal throughout most of the country since the late 19th century. <clears throat> Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday in many churches and other, uh, especially pro-life organizations. In 1984, President Ronald Reagan issued a proclamation that established a National Sanctity of Life Day in the United States. That day of remembrance of and commitment to protecting human life has been observed in churches throughout the country on the third Sunday in January ever since. I'm going to um, share with you <coughs> some excerpts, most of the letter that I received a couple of weeks ago from our patriarch, Craig Bates. And this was written two or three weeks ago, so a few of the uh, current events he mentioned were or dated. Last March I was in San Clemente, California with the Primates Council, that's the uh, his advisory council in the CEC, <coughs> mostly bishops uh, and their wives. <coughs> we had a great gathering and the Lord spoke to us in so many ways. At the time we were hearing about this coronavirus that apparently was in China in Europe and perhaps spreading to the United States. Little did we know at the time what that quote-unquote danger and quote-unquote spreading was all about. When we returned home, suddenly there was talk about a lockdown and the shutting down of entire countries in Europe and we in the United States were soon to follow. That shutdown happened we were told the shutdown would be 15 days to flatten the curve so that hospitals could handle the overwhelming numbers of people admitted. We also heard about essential services and non-essential services. 
Grocery stores were essential and guidelines were given for those who needed to shop. Elderly people even had special times to shop. Of course, healthcare workers, police officers, emergency personnel, sanitation workers, pharmacists and others were considered essential and indeed they were. Then there were the list of non-essentials that ranged from gyms to restaurants and bars. Some, re some small retail shops or barber shops and hair salons were non-essential. Churches were considered non-essential. And still in many states, churches face restrictions on the number of people who can occupy their buildings. For sacramental churches like the CEC, that meant there were no Eucharist, no baptisms, no weddings, no funerals, no last rites at the hospitals. Clergy were even forbidden to visit dying parishioners or any other sacramental rite available to the people of God. Thank the Lord for the internet as the churches could go virtual and minister <coughs> to the people. The church established an online presence. But while churches were considered non-essential, abortion clinics were considered essential. While medical procedures and other medical services were put on hold as non-essential, elective medical procedures were put on hold, abortion was a procedure that was deemed to be essential. <clears throat> the pandemic put life and death before us as the number of hospitalized patients and those dying from COVID increased, we faced a new pandemic of fear. On the positive side, we became deeply concerned about the vulnerable among us, especially those in nursing homes, long-term living facilities, assisted living centers, and senior living facilities. Many died in these facilities, and the medical community told us outright that the elderly were most at risk and most likely not to survive the virus. The elderly who lived at home were advised to avoid contact with their children and grandchildren. Contact with an asymptomatic child could result in being infected and even death. Those who were isolated from the community's daily life were now even more isolated to be protected from this virus of death. It is good that soon a vaccine will be available Healthcare workers and those seniors in facilities will be the first to receive the vaccine, followed by senior citizens who have underlying health issues. Soon those with other diseases will receive treatment, and perhaps our hearts will be changed in our appreciation for the elderly among us. Hopefully, the church will be awakened to the concerns of our elderly. Throughout it all, <coughs> Abortion clinics, however, remained open. Abortion clinics were an essential service. While society right, rightfully cared for the elderly, we ignored the preborn, innocent little children who rely totally on others for their protection and life. These babies are still disposable. <clears throat> While politicians ran for office on the handling or mishandling of the coronavirus, there was little concern or even awareness that some of the candidates ran on a platform that advocates the right to abort a baby up to the moment of birth and even in some cases to allow a baby to die after birth. 
The church is always called to be present during human suffering with the message of life. Our faith is based on a God who suffered among us. It is right and a good thing that many churches ministered to those suffering from COVID. It is also right and good that the church advocates for the poor, the widow, the fatherless, the single mothers, the disenfranchised, the homeless, the hungry, those in prison, immigrants, and those seeking freedom from tyranny. These are all pro-life concerns. The church needs to proclaim life into these situations, or as some say, we have a ministry of life from the womb to the tomb. During the pandemic, we continue to have concern for everyone who is at risk, those who have the disease, and especially those who are mourning the death of a loved one because of the disease. We mourn the loss of almost 300,000 who have died from COVID and pray that the new vaccine will end this horror. We continue to preach life and not give in to a fear of death. Yet, we must also continue to cry out with a loud voice for the preborn baby's right to life. As of this year, almost 40 million Forty million abortions were performed worldwide, according to the World Health Organization. That's in one year. That was at the end of the year. That is 125,000 babies a day on this earth. In our country, Roughly 3,000 pre-born babies die every day at the hands of abortionists. We're told that 22% of all pregnancies, that's more than one out of five, in America ends in abortion. There are more babies aborted in parts of New York City than brought to full-term pregnancy and birth. We cannot obtain quality of life if we continue to destroy life. Death cannot be a solution to injustice or oppression. That is not good news. A great deal of progress has been made over the past few years in bringing about change and saving babies' lives. Abortion clinics continue to close and some states could soon become abortion-free states. The courts are now more friendly to pro-life cases and rule in favor <laughs> in favor of the right to life and the protection of the pre-born. We could face some setbacks in the next few years, but we will continue to fight to be a voice for the voiceless. Thank you to all who continue to pray at the abortion mills regularly. Persevere and do not give up. Much still needs to be done on all different levels if we are to arrive at a day when abortion will not only be illegal, but unthinkable. We must continue to work towards the day when the truth that God loves the unborn child and that God loves the mother who has tragically presented herself for abortion is understood.
our churches should be centers of life and healing for all children, for families in crisis, for single mothers, the fatherless, and the widows. Churches should be a voice for the poor and a place where mercy and justice meet at the cross. We must work towards the day when death is not considered a solution. Rather, choices of life for both mother and baby are more obvious and more available. This is going to take a change of heart. The pro-life movement is a gospel movement. We need to support our clergy in preaching and teaching the gospel of life from womb to tomb. We need to raise a generation that continues in the fight until the right to life is a reality for all. We need to raise a generation that has the heart of God. That is what the CEC for Life is all about. <clears throat> Though the end of abortion is a primary concern of CEC for Life, it does not mean the leadership of CEC for Life is not concerned about all life. The battle cry is, all life is sacred. The charismatic Episcopal Church was birthed in the pro-life movement and the cultural wars of the past few decades. As a people, God spoke to us and drew us into the life of the ancient and historic church. We continue to see that through liturgy and sacraments, preaching the good news, seeking for the transformation of hearts, and relying upon the empowerment by the Holy Spirit, we join in a cultural war that has been raging since the beginning of time. The cross of Christ is a cultural war, and victory was won on the cross in the wounds of Christ Jesus and the shedding of his blood. We found out that as we participate in his life, and particularly his death, we find that ultimate gift of life, the resurrection and the defeat of death. This truth is lived out every day in our people, particularly in the praise and thanksgiving of the Eucharist feast. On January 17th, the third Sunday of 2021, the CEC celebrates the feast in honor of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord and giver of life. What more will we do? We will persevere with the gospel, knowing that in due season we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. We will continue to pray at abortion clinics we will continue to work with other pro-life groups. We will continue to raise up a generation around the world who are gospel activists. We will continue to equip the church with the message of life. Under his mercy, the most reverend Craig Bates, patriarch. <clears throat> I know that was rather lengthy, but, lengthy, but I thought that uh, he summed it up uh, uh, I couldn't improve on it. I just want, I wanted you to hear that and uh, be encouraged and be aware and to hopefully understand more of why we continue to acknowledge this uh, Sanctity of Life Sunday each year. <clears throat> I wanted to say also that we, we find ourselves now it seems like thing the uh, the hits just keep on coming. Pray for our bishop. He found out this past week that 
his beloved pet, Henry, who's got cancer and probably going to have to be put down. So he's lost his brother and his wife and now his, yes. his pet. Uh, or apparently he's still with us. But, you know, we've experienced so much upheaval in our day-to-day -day lives over the past nine months that you have to wonder if we will ever return to some kind of normal routine again. A life when we're not being bombarded with unexpected or unprecedented turmoil. I believe the answer is certainly yes. Yes, we will again experience more hope than fear. A life focused on the goodness of our God. A faith that is leaning on the arms of our Father in heaven, certain that he will never leave us or forsake us. Today we celebrate the wonder and sanctity of life, of all life. Tomorrow we celebrate the life of a preacher who confronted the evil of racism with a message of the power of love and courage and the common brotherhood of all men. A man whose stand most certainly cost him the ultimate price a person can pay. To call out racism in our community is pro-life. May we be encouraged to expect good to continue to overcome evil because we serve a king that is good. May we recognize beauty both in the beautiful creation and in the creating of beautiful works, whether they be works of music or art or through the stories that produce hope and joy. And may we recognize truth Embrace truth and share truth because it is truth that sets us free. Life is good. Life is beautiful. And the truth is, life is sacred. The gospel reading today ended with Jesus' words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And let us always remember those hopeful words of Jeremiah 31, 14 and the Lord's promise that I will satiate the soul of the priest, that our souls will be like well-watered gardens and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness. Amen. Let's stand together and affirm our common faith in the Nicene Creed.